Is it time to panic about Utah's 2024 recruiting class? We'll discuss on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. We love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on social media where you can follow our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to talk about Utah's recruiting class, talking about not just the players that they added that are going from high school to college, but the players that are going from college to college. Of course, diving into the transfers that Utah also signed today, while uh, talking a little bit at the end about what I'm most looking forward to about the Las Vegas Bowl and what I believe you guys should be most looking forward to about Utah's bowl game as well. But first, as I mentioned, we'll dive heavily into the 2024 recruiting class. It was National Signing Day today. And also the sponsor of today's Locked On Use recruiting themed episodes is LinkedIn Jobs. If you guys want to up your recruiting, make sure you head over to LinkedIn Jobs. So seen a lot of panic on the internet, I think, by some people about Utah's recruiting class. Because look, this is a team last year that they brought in a 20th ranked class. And Utah's recruiting the past few seasons has been continuing to trend upward, right? For back-to-back years, they had their highest ever recruiting class in program history, but that came to a screeching halt this year as they are outside of the top 50 in the overall rank. They're at 53 and they're outside the top 60 in the composite ranking for the recruiting class. They signed both those numbers coming to us or from 24 seven sports. So is it time to panic then Utah only signing 15 players as well? Only two of those in the four-star department. I, you see some people panicking and my answer is it's absolutely not time to panic if you're Utah football, because if you are panicking, I think you're ignoring what Kyle Whittingham, the man who is in charge of the Utah football program's direction, of course, who's done a pretty good job and a guy that I think it's a wise decision to trust in as the leader of this team and its future has said that they were going to focus more on the transfer portal. And we've already seen that they've already added four players through the portal and there's still a lot to sift through when it comes to the transfer portal to see how that all shakes out too. So Utah was always going to have a smaller recruiting class this year than they have in years past. And look, this Utah team is also, it is, I'm trying to figure out how this, what I'm trying to say is Utah is reaping the benefits, even though it doesn't look like it in recruiting by having good players stay in college. I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, why don't you land better players? Well, we just there's not a ton of opportunity for some of those better players to play. Hence why Justin Medlock, who is a huge get, is now somewhere else because you have a Kareni Reed, a Lander Barton, and a Leavani Dumuni all ahead of him on the depth chart. Veteran guys now, even Lander can qualify as a veteran with two years under his belt, who have a lot of experience. So you see, that's a highly high recruit, a really good get for Utah at the time that is now off on to another program because once again, there's really good players in, in front of him. And that's the thing with several Utah the positions that they didn't really go after in the transfer portal. For example, Utah didn't add a defensive tackle in this class. Why is that? Because they run extremely deep there. When you're talking about Junior Tifuna, Keanu Tanuvasa, Samote Peppa, 
Also talking about what Alakivai Mahi brings and even going to David Foto, who's really good this season. That's five defensive tackles who were really good for Utah at different moments throughout the season. So why was there's not really a need to recruit the defensive tackle position? Oh, Utah added Cash Dillon off the edge, but it's the same thing at pass rusher, right? There's so many positions that this Utah team is very deep at right now. And there's some that they're not, and we'll discuss those a little bit. Like, of course, I would have loved to see Utah add a four-star receiver to this class, but they got some quality three-stars that we discussed yesterday. There's also some rumors that one of those players, uh, those elite three-stars, had a lot of interest from uh, some other schools that were trying to pry him away from Utah, and uh, he was able to still stay. How about the rumors, too, that Isaac Wilson was uh, heavily touted by an SEC school? We've heard, I think it was Auburn head coach that uh, spoke about this a little bit. He was the one who was saying that, you know, you see a lot of this in college football where in the middle of the night, these programs will kind of swoop in and they'll try to, take these recruits away with the NIL deals and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, it does happen out there and it nearly happened to, well, not nearly happened because I don't think Wilson was going to flip, but uh, it, it, there's a world where it did happen, obviously, if we got uh, this close to it being reported still. So uh, with Kyle Whittingham even mentioning in his press conference that an SEC school was uh, was coming in there as well. So uh, wild times in, uh, in that regard. But once again, it's not time to panic because this is a Utah roster, especially with how important and just the emphasis on the transfer portal there currently is. I'm looking at how this Utah team is going to be right now because so much of when guys leave, it's not like, oh, who do you have behind him? It's who, what kind of transfers can you bring in to replace those guys, right? And that's something that Utah's done a really good job of. You lose Mumbi Abate, you bring in Leavani Demuni, too, in my opinion, was an upgrade. You look at the cornerback room, obviously Utah lost a few guys from there going back to last year, well, but still being able to keep a guy like a JT Braun, who's now in the portal, but played this year. And the same thing with Zamaya Vaughn, but you bring in a Miles Battle, a veteran with experience starting position starter. And, you know, even going back a couple of years ago, Utah needed to up their blocking tight end position. And they bring in the Rhino, who did a fantastic job for them in that spot, too. So Utah has chosen to attack more through the transfer portal. And you know what the transfer portal is? It's the best model to win right now. We've seen it work out for a lot of these college teams right now. Now, look, obviously the Georgia and Alabama's of the world, if you can bring in five-star after five-star, that's probably the best model. But when you're not doing that, the next best thing, rather than bringing in a guy to kind of mold and develop and hope in two to three years he can really contribute, is to land the Leovani Dumunis of the world, who have already played good, co- good co- college football and can come in and help your team right away. And I like that Utah's doing that. And I think that's the right way to build about build your roster and, uh, and go about this. So I, I definitely like Utah's approach. And look, once again, only 15 players in the transfer portal with 11 of those being on the defensive side of the ball. But that's also what I like that Utah did, right? They identified needs because those positional needs for Utah are cornerback and just in the secondary in general, you want more playmakers, right? We see Utah heavily add players in that department highlighted by a guy like a Davis Andrews, but a Jelani Davis, Sammy Hunter, of course, in there as well. And, uh, you know, Maurice Evans, I could go on and on this, this class is loaded with future guys. And I should say Davis Andrews is going to take his mission. But once again, what's the position of need more than anything for Utah right now, probably argue corner outside a receiver. We saw Utah add some corners. Oh, they also need receivers bringing two quality pass catchers. And the one thing because Nate Johnson left Bryson Barnes is also leaving. Now we still haven't seen Brandon Rose in a live game action, even though we liked what we saw from him in spring ball, you're still not feeling great about the quarterback of the future on this Utah roster. 
And then you bring in an Isaac Wilson, right? So that's where you feel really good about his future and the things he showed this year up for Max Pep's player of the year for the national one, of course, won the Utah one for just the absolute superstar year. He just wrapped up, which concluded with the state championship inside his future home in Rice Eccles Stadium. So you bring in the quarterback and also Utah took some hits along the offensive line, right? You lose to Tawel Almea, you're starting right tackle and a guard for a few years too with Utah. And then, you know, Utah also lost his Keaton Bill. So you take a hit in the offensive line department and you bring in a player, the quality of quality of Isaiah Garcia, who is lights out. I mean, he is phenomenal. That's a four-star. So that's what I'm talking about. Utah. I feel like they identified the needs in the recruiting class. And once again, also brought in some transfers. I want to talk about Anthony Woods on a future show because <laughs> talking about a guy with 880 yards last year, three touchdowns on 154 carries, average five, 0.7 yards per carry. I mean, he's a monster. And Utah officially put the pen to paper when you're talking about guys like a Carson Ryan, who's a good get from UCLA, John Henry Daly, we broke down on yesterday's show, and a Keenan Johnson, too, who's a guy who was a reserve at Georgia Tech. But if you look at it, 6'1, 183, I think has some length and intangibles to potentially get with Sharif Shaw and could unlock that ability to be a starting corner at this level. And, you know, speaking too of Utah's recruiting not being as high this year. That you, what is the recruit going to come in and CJ Blocker and Smith Snowden would be ahead of both those guys too. So that's where I just, I'm not going to panic about this when you have so many good players coming back to the roster, like a Cam Rising at the moment, Brant Keithy, even if Brant leaves, you just brought in Ryan and you already have Landon King there too, with Mickey Sugaturaga should be even stronger as he grows a year in the tight end world. Just like we saw Connor O'Toole rush the passer a lot better this year than he did when he started last season in not started, but just contributed in a few key opportunities for Utah as well. So I just don't think it's time to panic. This Utah team is set up for success right now with how many key contributors they have coming back who have helped them win so many games and be so formidable for the last few seasons. They still feel needs with the recruiting class and recruiting for Utah. It, it's, it's not even over. Because when you look at it, you still have a guy like Volatau Satuala, and I apologize if I mispronounced his name, the bountiful safety who will be committing on the six officially 24-7 sports has him projected to Utah. So that's a four-star guy, too, that will once again bolster the secondary. So lots to be excited about if you're talking when you're talking about this Utah team and uh and their future. And I do want to talk a little bit more just about this class and also just how they can help Utah win in 2024 because so much of recruiting I think is emphasized on the long-term future. Sure, you get the Spencer Fanos and the Mikey Matthews and and that's been a fun controversy this whole week with the whole Mikey Matthews thing. I I might address that in a second too, but um I want to talk about a little bit what I think this class will contribute next season and we're going to be diving into that in a second but first I want to talk to you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of Locked On Utes in our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you're hiring for your small business you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Shout out Spencer McLaughlin for the second segment sip. And as we roll on with this one, we're going to continue to talk about recruiting as sponsored by our friends at LinkedIn. 
again, but uh, talk about this Utah recruiting class and can they help the team win in 2024? And I think the obvious place to start with that is the transfer. I- I'm very curious with the addition of a guy like Anthony Woods, who was a very productive contributor at Idaho last season. Like he- he's not going somewhere where he doesn't see an opportunity to earn carries, right? So is Makai, Jaquindon, and Jalen all staying? That's where this gets interesting, right? We- I did an episode earlier this week about Jaquindon's future being up in the air just because of how much smoke there was in those rumors that spread on social media being Reddit and X. But now it definitely feels like we're at the point where he may be staying. And Kyle Whittingham did say they expect a few more players to enter the portal after the bowl game, which is understandable. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with the running back room. I would expect one of a, you know, Makai did the transfer thing last year. So I just, if I, this is no inside information, but Jaquindon, there was already the smoke there. And maybe even a guy like a Jalen Glover as well, who might not, who might feel like, he wants to have a bigger role or things like that. And once again, that is zero. That is me literally just looking at the situation being like, oh, if that happened, it made sense. And that's as always, when those guys do decide to transfer, if if they were going to, I have zero ill will towards them because that means they're getting a nice opportunity, whether that's through NFL or NIL, excuse me, or to earn more carries too. But once again, that is strictly speculation on my part, reading a situation of there are four starting running backs on the Utah roster. Even threes a lot. So that's where I'm very curious to kind of, that's not even mentioning the Dijon Stanleys, the, some of these other guys. The, there was talented freshman backs this team brought in that won't be able to see anything next year based on the players currently on Utah's roster. So very curious to see how that situation uh, shakes out. But obviously we know Woods is a guy who can help Utah win right away, sticking with that theme. Um, we know John Henry Daly is, can he help Utah win right away? Potentially. I mean, he got the size 6'5", 225. But still, even if it takes him a year to get back into it, kind of, I... I'm not that concerned with that because we didn't see much of him last year. I already said Johnson, I think, is a veteran with potential to make some plays. And, of course, Carson Ryan coming off 200 yards with UCLA, being in an even more tight end friendly offense. Definitely think he will have the chance to make an instant impact. Isaiah Garcia is another guy. Hey, if Spencer Fonnell played right away, who's to say Garcia can't, right? I think he is a phenomenal prospect once again. He is a guy who is rated 203rd nationally, 20th best at his position overall, and coming off just a sensational season and career starting at Cypress High School, wrapping up at Corner Canyon. His technique is outstanding. I actually think just weight – you saw Spencer Fano go through a dramatic weight transformation when he joined Utah. That's something that Garcia doesn't have to do. He's already 6'5", 280. And I think Fano had the height last year, but he didn't have that uh, that strength. I think he was closer to – 250, maybe I'm maybe it was 260 something, but either way, you just you knew he needed to build on and add some strength, and he was able to do that, and he'll add even more going into next year. So we know he'll be one of the starters secured there as well. I'm just excited to see the combination of Garcia, Caleb Lomu, and Fano up front for this Utah team. I think that I'm not sure if we'll see that exact combination in 2024, but I definitely think all three of those players will be starting come 2025. But yeah, Garcia is another guy who fills an instant need. I'm sure one of Zacharias Williams or David Washington is going to contribute in the pass catching department for Utah next season. This is a team that still needs receivers. As much as I liked what Maneer McLean did, Money Parks has had great moments over the past few seasons. And right now, Utah is a three headed monster at tight end if Brant Keithy doesn't leave, which with the, with the addition of a guy like Ryan, I definitely think is a possibility that he may depart. We'll have to just watch and see how that uh, that's another one where if you're Ryan, you want to come in and you want to start right away. And if you have already guys ahead of you, like a Brant Keithy, and at the moment, I, I once again do think Landon King would be ahead. That's where this just becomes interesting, in my opinion. But um, 
curious to watch and see how that shapes out. But more guys who can help Utah win instantly. And you all, you never know with the with the DBs, right? The, the, who's going to surprise us? Is it going to be a Maurice Evans? Is Sammy Hunter going to pop? I mean, even a Jelani Davis, right? Like none of these guys are the most likely candidates to contribute in the secondary right away. But I think all of them, um, of course, Jack Rabbit being another guy too. We talked about him a, a little bit earlier, just being another one that I think could uh, could make a difference for this Utah team too. Latristan Thompson, like some of these guys might get opportunities in the secondary yes, this coming season. Like Smith Snowden had a few moments and Smith Snowden is going to have an opportunity to really lock up one of those starting spots in the bowl game, I think, and just continue to execute in spring ball. But I'm excited to see CJ Blocker. I think Utah's, secondary like woes are a little exaggerated because you got your number one cornerback in Zamaya Vaughn. You have two four stars who, yes, are they unproven, but still excited about. And also Utah is going to probably add a, a transfer or two more to the secondary to bolster that. That's not even including Teo Johnson moving back to free safety where I thought he showed nice potential and real growth this season. And then you get a guy like a Nate Ritchie, who we saw in 2020, the high level he's capable of playing at. That version of Nate Ritchie is still in there. And once again, I think it just takes another year and kind of offseason to be able to unlock. So that's where I'm excited to see what um what this group can do for Utah. But yeah, I understand again, like why people are like, this is a bad recruiting class for Utah, like what's happening. But this is also grabbing all of these three stars is how Utah was able to build their roster that won back-to-back Pac-12 championships, that this defense loaded with players like that, the Cole Bishops being an example of one of them, right, who they were not this crazy, highly touted recruit that, you know, the five-star that everyone wanted, yet they come to Utah. They're, Utah has a good job identifying the types of players that fit their system, that work ethic, those players buy in, and both the school and the player reap the benefits. And that's where I trust Morgan Scali, Sharif Shaw, and Kyle Winningham of how the tone that they've set with this group to be able to get it done. And I think that that's going to continue to happen for Utah. This is a roster with so much returning talent still. Yes, they lose some key players, but there's still some guys coming back. And that's where it's just huge having Cam Rising coming back to the experience of a veteran quarterback who's won two conference championships. I mean, you guys can – J.J. McCarthy will leave after the season. Like, I don't know if there's a single starting quarterback in college football next season who's won – two conference championships. Maybe I'm missing one. I should say two power five conference championships, right? Like I, once again, like maybe am I missing someone off the top of my head? But I I don't think I am. Like, I think that'll be the only one. So that's where you, that's where I give Utah a huge boost too in this, but uh, definitely feeling good about the position that Utah's in national signing day, still a huge success for me for adding talent at positions of need and just flat out adding talent in general. I'm very, I think we could look back at this signing day and once again, maybe it doesn't blow us away like the one, the top 20 class did from a rankings perspective, but several key contributors will come out of this class for Utah too. So uh, always fun to see how national signing day will shake out and we'll continue to cover the follow out fallout of this and break down a lot of these guys who committed. There was just too many to fit in one show. So that's hence why that wasn't the focus of today's episode, but we're definitely going to be talking about them more in a future episode. So that's going to do it for our recruiting talk, but do want to talk to you guys about what I'm looking for in the Las Vegas Bowl, the three biggest things I'm watching for and I'm excited about in watching the game this Saturday. I want to dive into those with all of you in one moment, but first I want to talk to you about FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning 
$5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And yes, of course, the NFL has a great slate of games. Once again, the playoffs heating up. So all the implications on the line on Monday, literally Christmas, we get the big game between the Ravens and 49ers very well. What could be a Super Bowl preview and the old Super Bowl rematch from the one that they, of course, had a few years ago. But and it's just a great time for football. How can you not be fired up about it? And of course, bowl season still well underway. And bowl season for Utah, as they are once again set to take on Northwestern, as we're about to dive into, it's a game where I feel good about Utah. They're favored by seven and a half. I, I think Utah's going to cover. I really do. I'm feeling good about the game plan, the extra time that Utah's had to prep for this one, and I think they're ready to go in and execute. So make sure you guys head over to FanDuel to head cash in on all those great offers. All righty, closing this one out with some Las Vegas Bowl talk. Look, National Signing Day being this week, Utah transfer portal targets, players, rumors potentially transferring. There's a spotlight and attention on a lot of things that aren't just the bowl game itself. And I think that's understandable because this is a team that has now won, had won two conference championships in the last three years. So that's the goal, getting back up to that. And a bowl trophy is nice, but it is it is in some ways, it's lesser than what you set out for this season, right? So that's where in some ways you're like, oh, I'm not as excited for this because I, before the year said Pac-12 championship and Rose Bowl, or not Rose Bowl, excuse me, uh, and college football playoff and big bowl game. Like all those things where we were talking about going into this season. And of course, that unfortunately didn't work out because of the injuries, but don't let those expectations, the lofty ones that we all had before the season, distract you from the fact that this will be the last Utah football game for 250 days. The reason all of you tune into this is because you, especially those of you who still watch, which I greatly appreciate that right now. The reason we all watch this is because how much we love Utah football. And this is our last opportunity to watch them play, not just in 2023, but for 250 days. It's a long time. Trust me. I have to do an episode literally five days a week where I talk about Utah football without a game till that point. So I know how long that is going to be until we get there. But I just don't think we should lose track of that. We love this team. It's awesome to walk, watch them go to work. And there's so many great stories and so many things we can learn from this game that have me excited to tune in on the 23rd and see what's going to happen at 530 Mountain Time when Utah and Northwestern face off in the Las Vegas Bowl. And we'll be breaking it down deeper on tomorrow's show. Dante Guardi joins me. But uh, as for things I'm excited to watch for, I think the first thing is just seeing the new faces, guys, a chance to step up. This is a really, to me, I really want to see what Nate Ritchie is going to do in this one, right? Like how big of a concern is the safety spot for Utah? Is this going to be a major need? How does a Jonathan Hall look? Same thing with the Teo Johnson. If we see him at safety at all, I know he's listed starting at one of the cornerback spots, but I still expect him to rotate in a little bit. Um, we obviously know how good the Utah front seven is, but Utah offensive line, the shovel up front is Jaron Kump going to put a stronghold on one of the guard positions is Spencer Fano and Tonga. Are they going to for sure say like, we are the tackles for this Utah team going forward is Colby going to lock up, look to be in the lead in the front run for the center spot. I shouldn't say lock up with any of these, but put themselves in the driver's seat. Of course, Smith Snowden already brought him up in this episode, CJ blocker. Maybe we'll see him in a game or two in this one, since he's just using the red shirt. So Lots of guys with an opportunity to 
to see their most playing time they've seen on the season. Same thing with Meneer McLean, right? He's going to be the number one receiver to me in this one, him and a money park. So how much will they pop? Will Caldara be able to do some things in this one? Are there any other surprise receivers are, is Makai Bernard going to come back? I mean, we, he was even in the media stuff like for the game. So like, is he going to play? Uh, what are we going to see out of Jaquindon Jackson? Like uh, so much fun to see which of these, the emphasis on, I know I mentioned Jaquindon right there, but all of the new faces, I'm very much excited to see how those guys are going to step up and how they're going to be able to perform. So that's something definitely to watch for. Um, and the other thing is just, you know, Jaquindon sending him off right with a big game for having, he, he fought through a lot this season, like sending him, I'm not saying send him off as in he's going to transfer, but he's worked incredibly hard this season, battled injuries and hung in tough for our team. So I think that's where I'm excited to see him, but uh, very much excited for Bryson's final game. I mean, what an insane career it's been at Utah. The pig farmer who's thrust into action in the Mecca of college football in some ways in the Rose bowl and leads Utah down the field, throws the touchdown pass to Dalton Kincaid lives up to the moment. The huge win against Washington State, still, you know, coming in, stepping up and trying to make things happen for Utah against a Penn State defensive line that was getting after the Utah offensive line that game. And then, you know, still helping Utah get bowl eligible this year and helping Utah reach eight wins, which they absolutely do not do without Bryson Barnes experience. The former walk-on, Lowe's employee, pig farmer, whatever story is your favorite about Bryson. This is the last time we get to see him rock the U and uh, what an incredible journey it's been for him and how fun it has been to watch just this guy continue to lay it out on the field whether it's putting his body on the line for first downs hanging in the pocket getting blasted to make the big throw the highlight plays the moments the big run like against the usc already mentioned the rose bowl touchdown i'm excited to watch bryson go and ball out one final time so i know there's some of you who may be like ah, i'm gonna skip the game i don't need to watch it I, I think you'll regret that because once again, last Utah football game for 250 days, this is the, the team we love, the players we love. And I think they got a really good chance to beat Northwestern too and host host hoist a bowl trophy for the first time since 2017. So I think we should all enjoy it and it should be a fun one in Las Vegas, but that's just what I'm looking forward to. I'm going to be breaking down the matchup on tomorrow's show with Dante Guardi of Ute Zone. Look forward to having you all along for the ride then. That is going to do it for today's episode of Lockdown Utes, but let me know below. What do you think about the Utah recruiting situation? Which player are you, are you most excited to watch play inside Rice Eccles Stadium? And what are you most looking forward to about the Las Vegas Bowl? Look forward to reading your comments and chatting with you all very soon.